Today on Locked On Canadians, the Canadians will likely be back in action tonight, we hope. Uh, we are also going to talk about the women's Olympic rosters for Team USA and Team Canada. This is where our rivalry comes up on this show, and that's all coming up on Locked On Canadians. Your Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. to episode 529 and thank you as always for making us your first listen of the day for those of you who have forgotten me my name is Laura Sab, also known as the active stick I'm one of your hosts and you've been hearing Scott carry the show for the last few weeks Scott Malov Hab's eyes on the prize is my wonderful co-host and joins me as always how are you doing tonight Scott uh, it's real, real, real goddamn cold outside. <laughs> um, uh, with a puppy, it is cold enough that even she is like, I'm not going to bother sniffing everything. I'm just going to go. And then we're going to go inside because um, for those who have been paying attention, the news for Saturday when the Bills have their home playoff game, which I looked at getting tickets to, the high temperature is expected to be eight degrees. And to that, I said, nope. If I wanted to get hypothermia, I would do it somewhere else. So <laughs> That's outside Fahrenheit, of that, I'm good. by the way. Yes, Saturday Fahrenheit. night. It's, it's going to be wild. I am not jumping through any tables. I might record people jumping through tables, but I myself will be table free on Saturday night. And that's always the safest way to go. We do also have news. It's been a long time since we've been able to do this, but we have a game preview. Uh, we think, we hope, you know, this would not be the first time if anything goes wrong and it gets postponed. The Canadians will be back in action against hated rivals, the Boston Bruins. Tonight, at the time that you're listening to this, it will be Wednesday. Uh, and here's who practiced. Lekkonen, Suzuki, and Hoffman, Druan, Dvorak, and Armia, Dauphin, Paling, Caulfield, Pocket, Vedemo, and Pizzetta, and in some sort of semi-big news, Anderson and Toffoli both practiced in non-contact jerseys. They are accompanying the team on the road trip, but they are still no contact. And in terms of who else uh, in on the defense, Sherat Savard, Kulak Petrie, Niku Weidman, and Corey Schooneman was also there. Uh, and then our goalies are obviously Jake Allen and Montembeau because Carey Price will not be joining on the road trip. Uh, and the the thing that happened essentially was he got COVID. So all of the practice that he, all of the progress that he was making on the ice uh, was delayed by the period of time that he was not able to uh, to practice. And so therefore, it's. He, essentially the timeline has been set back by that amount of time that he was not able to do any on ice work. Uh, Paul Byron is obviously, and, uh, and Brendan Gallagher are also not going on the road trip. However, John Liu reported that Gallagher might join the team later during the road trip as well. They will have Primo Evans, Romanov, Belpedio and Baddock to join them once they get to Boston. So this is all of the people that are currently available which is a lot more than were, were available, you know, just even a week or so ago when basically everybody was on COVID protocol. 
Uh, I, I don't really know what to expect from their first game back after a while. I think they're playing an opponent that is consistently a threat, consistently difficult to beat. And now not only that, they've got a little bit of a boost. It's unlikely, obviously, that he's going to be playing uh, his first game back. He signed today. Tuka Rask is back in Boston. It's official. It's, it, it's basically this open, not open secret, like everybody knew it was going to happen. And finally, it's happened. Uh, and so the Bruins are basically getting, I guess I want to say, getting back into the swing of things. And the Canadians are an unknown quantity at this point, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and it's funny is that I saw Tukarask released from PTO with the Providence Bruins because the one game he was supposed to play was canceled due to COVID, unfortunately. And it's just like everyone thought is that he's not signing anywhere but Boston. That's what's going to happen. And to be quite honest, I thought it would have been hilarious if the Canadians down to their like sixth and seventh choice goaltenders would have signed to Rask instead of the Bruins. I think quite honestly, that would have been hilarious, but it's very weird to be back in game coverage mode, I guess a little bit right now, just because it's, it's been a while. It's been what, two and a half, three weeks without a Canadians or a rocket hockey game. Well, I mean, I guess you can count those games they played against Florida and stuff as rocket games, but not really. It, it It's very weird to be going in with at least a semi healthy lineup again, a semi NHL regular lineup here. And I just don't, I don't know what to expect. These are guys who are on COVID protocol some of whom were injured, some of whom haven't played in a while, none of whom have been able to skate much because the Canadians' facilities have been closed, and some who are in a different country entirely because they could not get back into Quebec and into Canada. And I don't know what to make and what to expect of this game right now. It could be anything, to be quite honest. Uh, The Bruins are a good team. They're always a good team. We know how good Pasternak is. We know how good Patrice Bergeron is. We know how good Brad Marchand is. They have Taylor Hall. We know how good the Bruins can be. But the Canadians have played them tough before. And their first game off a break, maybe, you know, there's something to be said about what they might show us in this game. I'm not expecting a whole lot, given the team hasn't really practiced fully in a couple of weeks here. But I... I'm very curious to see what they look like. I don't think their season's going to magically turn around now, but I'm hoping we see like some composure, I would guess in that. I, yeah, that's, that's what I want. And and the thing is this, the, the issues that they had before with the team not being cohesive and not being able to play in unison and not being able to play as a unit. Uh, that's not going to get better. The fact that the lineup was consistently different night in and night out, and they haven't played together in a while. But this, the second half of the season could be positive in that we, you know, we saw that the the rocket call ups uh, were doing a really great job of keeping the games exciting. You know, we were talking uh, while you know after that Florida game. Um, a lot about how, you know, these guys are here to prove something. It was fun to watch and all of that. So I do think that it's possible that as we get into the second half of the season, there's going to be a new GM. There's going to be a lot of trade deadline talk. There's going to be a lot of ups and downs with the call-ups and all of that. I think that there's an opportunity for the Canadians to put together an exciting show, even if they can't win games, which at this point we want them to get a high draft pick. So it's not, 
it's it's not the end of the world but i'm i'm at least excited that there's going to be games to watch and uh i think i think it's going to be it's going to be good just because it's the bruins and the canadians always play extra hard uh against the bruins and in the meantime we've got some other stuff to talk about including the uh U- us and Canadian Olympic rosters. The women's rosters have been finalized and we're going to discuss that in our third segment. But first, we've got Rick Westhead reporting another thing the NHL would not want us to know about. That's coming up in just one moment. But first, it is the new year. And I know we talk a lot about New Year's resolutions and all of that. I think one thing that we need to do is we need to be better at keeping our energy up, especially in these really tough times. And the one thing that I always turn to is Built Bar. Just, you know, just now when I'm back and I'm jet lagged and I'm struggling a lot to get to get it together, I start my day with a Built Bar. It is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It is a treat, but it gives me energy. And so if I forget to eat or if my eating schedule is thrown off because of jet lag, it really, really keeps me focused. And they're so delicious. There's 18 delicious flavors. And you know, there's always special edition stuff coming up. Uh, and you know that we're huge, huge fans here. And all the built bars are low in sugar, low in carbs. They're very high in protein and they are made with real chocolate. And if you want to try any of these, you can go to built.com, use the promo code locked15 to get 15% off your order. And that is locked15 to get 15% off your order when you go to built.com. As always, we're so grateful to you for making us your first listen of the day. And a quick tidbit before we move on to the actual topic of this segment is that uh, Pierre Lebrun reported earlier today that the Canadians are still in the first round of interviews because they had so many candidates. So, you know, they did say that it was going to be in the coming days. They gave themselves like a 10 day ish uh, sort of timeline for naming the person. But they're still in the first round of interviews. I guess they want to make sure that they're thorough with everybody, especially with everything going on. Uh, there, there is, I guess, a time, not a time crunch, but a challenge to interview everybody. But this is all to say is that they have not yet even gone to gotten to the second round, according to Pierre Lebrun. But that's good news because we heard some of the names on that 10 candidate list and there were some that we were really excited about. And I also do think that this gives them an opportunity that if there's somebody that they might not hire uh, for the GM position, they might see people, other people for other front office roles. You know, we're excited about the new kinds of faces uh, or new names that we're hearing. Uh, and specifically, we're talking about, about women that, uh, that, they, that they wanted to talk to and that they wanted to interview. I think that it could create a good mix. You know, somebody might not get chosen for the general manager position, but an assistant ma- general manager position, uh, maybe, maybe, you know, somebody to deal with, I don't know, cap issues. I have no idea. But uh, just I think the idea of them being really, really thorough uh, is good. And I do I I personally like privately have an idea of who I think they're going to they're going to pick. I don't know, Scott, do you you have a guess as to who I think they're going to go with? I mean, I know who I think they're going to go with. I think Matthew Darsh has been the name that stuck around the most and makes the most sense for the direction this team wants to go. And then one of the other candidates will probably come in potentially as an AGM. But um, off the top of my head, without Martin Madden being in the running anymore, 
my thought was Matthew Darsh is the person there, and then uh, someone like Dore or um, someone else coming in as the AGM. I like it's wide open, and I outside of like Stefan Quintel and Patrick Waugh, I don't think there's a truly bad option in the group, but those are the two that I'm hoping aren't picked for this, at least not <laughs> as a leadership role in some way, shape, or form. But um, Matthew Darsh is who I think. I'm curious to hear your thought behind this, though, because that's been I, me talking to myself for a while about this. Uh, no, I really do think that they're going to go with Matthew Darsh. I, I really, really think that that's the direction they're leaning in. And the other candidates are being interviewed just in case uh, somebody, uh, you know, comes up with a better package, a better presentation and, and, and sort of goes with or has a better vision. I think the experience that Matthew Darsh has so far and the fact that he's still uh, early in his management career, his front office career, the fact that he can sort of be molded into what they want is, is an appealing prospect, but also the fact that he has that experience on a winning team. Uh, he's being groomed by one of the best. I think that is also really appealing. So yes, I think I do think that is the direction that they want to go in. But I'm also excited about the other names just because there could be a positive uh, addition in the front office in general as an AGM. So that's all the good stuff. So now we're going to get to some unpleasant news. Rick Westhead is at it again with some brilliant reporting about things that the NHL does not want to know. Um, on tsn.ca, he has a story that is truly appalling. And I think, you know, it's just it exemplifies the problems that we have with the NHL and the criticisms that we have of the NHL. And just, it highlights ways that they need to be doing better. And I, I think that, okay. So in summary, let me, let me just summarize this real quick. What's going on is that a couple of officials presented complaints uh, when they heard a, a fellow employee make sexist and racist remarks. And what ended up happening was that the NHL ordered the proof to be destroyed. Not only that, there's an implication that somebody else who uh, came forward with a complaint about sexism in the workplace was terminated. And so these people were uh, afraid of their, their, afraid for their positions. And now they're bringing forward a suit and everything that you hear about the way the NHL has been dealing with issues of, you know, anything to do with racism, anything to do with sexism and on, on occasion homophobia as well. We haven't been hearing a whole lot about that recently, but, you know, the, the past is a positive indicator. I just I don't know what the NHL thinks that they're doing at this point. Like they are talking about a zero tolerance policy on harassment. Uh, all of that happened after the Chicago Blackhawks uh, were found to have covered up sexual assault within their organization. And the NHL is like, no more of that. You know, now it's serious. Now we're going to take it seriously. But everything up until this point seems to indicate that they want to brush everything under the rug. And, and here's the part where I'm not shocked because I saw the news and I went, ah, okay, here we go again. And then it was bad enough that it was ignored, which is the NHL standard for dealing with anything that might be even slightly scary or confrontational for them to handle. It, it, it's like a child being afraid of something in the closet to pretend it's not there and run away from it. And the issue becomes when the NHL's lawyer went, destroy all of the recordings of these comments being made. That's not just being, 
I don't want to say, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Negligent. That's being actively harmful and burying the news here and trying to keep it out of the mainstream. And I'm hoping that they have a backup of this. And I want to know who these people are because there's a good chance that they're still working in the NHL somewhere. And why you, as a league that said, we're going to do better after the whole Mike Babcock and um, I can't remember his name, um, Peters uh, as the coach, we're going to do better. And then the Kyle Beach situation came to light. We're going to do better. And then Evander Kane, and then we're going to do better. At no point in time is anything actually getting better at this point. And news like this and Rick Westhead deserves whatever goes beyond a Pulitzer for this season for the work that he did, not only with the Kyle Beach case and the Chicago Blackhawks sexual assault scandal, but things like this. These are important stories, and it's not easy to cover these things, but it is so crucial that it gets out there because if the NHL is actually going to ever get better, it needs to be held accountable for its actions, and this is part of that. You fired someone who mentioned this. You ordered them to destroy recordings of someone using racist and sexist language, and you did nothing and probably kept that person employed. Like, across the board, there's nothing good to come out of this. If you're the NHL, at, at a certain point, you have to go, okay, something actually has to be done, and I, it's a story for a different day. Eventually, that starts at the top, and that goes down to every single level from there. Bettman, Donald Fear, Bill Daly, everybody. Get them out at this point. Because this is we've gone through how many things that would be earth-shattering scandals in other leagues and in the last year and the NHL just kind of went, ah, no, eh, just it's fine. And, we'll, and just carries on like nothing has happened. So when people say that the culture is rotten to the core, this is what they mean. I really do think that we love this game and, you know, we need to, we, we, we have to talk about this stuff. It needs to come to light. We need to, you know, we need to be clear as fans, as people who talk about the teams, that this is not acceptable. And so I, I just really quickly want to um, read Rick Westhead's uh, summaries uh, on Twitter. The formal NHL office officials were worried that they might be fired for reporting racist incidents their lawsuit alleges. They knew that a recent previous female office official from another city was terminated by the NHL shortly after reporting sexual harassment at work. That's illegal. Uh, the plaintiffs allege that after the NHL was provided with six recordings of a league employee using racist language, NHL attorney Kate Watson instructed that the video recordings be destroyed. He also has a link to the actual lawsuit. It's pretty long. And I just think that at this point, you know, we talk about how they need to just burn the whole thing down and start over from scratch. And by that, we mean they need to really, there needs to be a wholesale change at who's in charge of these things. And I think at this point, they've lost credibility and legitimacy, given how many things that we're hearing that they've been covering up instead of handling appropriately. I think that any workplace, any organization should have no tolerance for any of this stuff. And at this point, it's clear that all they cared about was not getting sued. And ironically, now they are getting sued. So we're going to keep talking about all this stuff as it goes on, but we are going to turn ourselves, turn our attention turn ourselves, turn our attention 
to more positive fun things. And that is that the rosters for the women's teams for the US and Canada have been named. And we're going to discuss that in just one moment. But first, Gotbeard, get primal. You heard me right. Gotbeard, get primal. If you or someone you care about has a beard, it needs to get primal. Maybe you're the guy who's never considered the benefits of treating your beard with product. Primal origin oils will stop the itch and make your beard look healthy and groomed. Is that true, Scott? It is absolutely true. I love primal origin oils so much. Use it right when I get out of the shower, either in the morning before I go to bed. Beard is nice, soft, much easier to style and manage. And bonus, it smells great which is honestly fantastic. Girlfriend loves it. You know, I've noticed a huge difference. It's not itchy. It doesn't dry out, especially with this cold weather here in Buffalo. I cannot recommend Primal Origin Oils enough. And all their products are fair trade certified and handcrafted in the USA. We know that every company claims to have the best, but Primal Origin Oils challenges you to compare their ingredients and the feel in the beard to the other products you've used. And we promise you will see and feel the difference, and also smell the difference, apparently. Remember the code LOCKEDON gets you 20% off at PrimalOriginOils.com. Use the code LOCKEDON at checkout for 20% off at PrimalOriginOils.com. In some really positive news, so a couple weeks ago at the Winter Classic, this was not very positive in the way that TNT made the announcement, but the women's Team USA for the Olympics uh, for Beijing 2022 was announced. And today, with the day that we're recording this is Tuesday, the Team Canada roster was finalized. There were a couple of people that were left off. I think a big name on the Canada roster that was a big surprise that had been left off is Victoria Bach, who is a phenomenal player. Most people were like, what are they doing with this? And personally, from what I can understand, is that it's possible that she might have been one of the best players, but you know how sometimes when they're constructing a team and I feel like hockey Canada uh, above all is often doing this is that they think about who's going to work with who on what line, as opposed to let's just take the best players and go. But at the same time, they did say that the last round of cuts were really, really difficult. Uh, and they talked about how anybody who had made that list uh, could have could have easily made the team. There's going to be some names that you recognize from previous Olympics, a lot of names from the silver medal winning team, a couple from, you know, even back to Vancouver 2010. Uh, it's really, really funny because Marie-Philippe, at that time, like I remember just thinking of like what a baby she was when they won gold in 2010. And now she's like one of the most senior members of the team. I personally am really, really excited about Team Canada this year. But at the same time, their biggest rivals have a way of beating them and devastating us. So I don't know. What are your expectations, Scott? It's funny is that the last couple games that the Canadians, the Canadian women and the U.S. women have played have been phenomenal at like the world championships and everything. They had a, an incredible overtime game that, of course, Marie-Philippe Poulin won because that's what she does. <laughs> I'm looking. Yeah, she's, that's what she does. And I'm looking at the women's roster right now. One did not know Hillary Knight was 5'11", which is actually, you know, like intimidatingly tall for any for 
considering the rest of the team, I'm looking at this, it's 5'3", 5'4", 5'7", and then you have Hillary Knight, who's 5'11". She's the senior most person on their team, and she's not even that old, which is wild to me. And like you were talking about the Canadian women's roster. These two countries just churn out incredible players where, like you said, they can leave a player like Victoria Bach off their roster, and it stings, but they're still good because you have players like Melody Dawu, Poulain, um, Rebecca Johnston, and Natalie Spooner, and so many other good players in Canada that the expectation is, I don't want these games to be a blowout. I want them to be hard fought because that's what they do. We talk a lot about sports rivalries, you know, at World Juniors in the NHL and in, you know, junior leagues and everything. The Canadian women versus the American women is an absolutely wild rivalry. And for anyone who says women's hockey is boring or isn't the same, needs to watch these two teams play. In an exhibition game, there was a line brawl before the game was over. These countries do not, I mean, I shouldn't say don't like each other on the ice. I cannot think of a rivalry that is more intense than this one. They are the two best national teams in the world at any level. And right now, going into the Olympics this year, all eyes should be on this. If you're upset that the NHL isn't going, which does suck, I have very good news for you that there is an absolutely incredible group of women who are going to be playing and there are teams like Finland and Russia and others who are getting better as the years go on too, as women's hockey grows across the world. So it's not just Canada and the U.S. dominating, but I cannot wait to watch this. It is always must-see TV. It's going to be even more so this year. It is going to be the closest and definitely the most hotly contested tournament or um, team sport in the Olympics this year, bar none. I'm just so excited for that. I, we were disappointed, but we completely understood why the NHL and the NHLP decided not to go to Beijing. I do think that, you know, in this climate, there's a huge risk to traveling at all. And so, and I know that, you know, they, they have a really, really strict COVID policy over there. But at this, at this point, assuming that the women are going, I think it's going to be really, really awesome. And, uh, Erica Lindsay Ayala of Lockdown Crackett and Lockdown Women's Basketball does have creds to go and cover these games. We're so, so excited for her. And it's so, so exciting to have a colleague uh, go. And uh, I'm really, really just excited for these games, no matter what time they are. I am going to be staying up and watching them because Canada USA is a rivalry not to be missed. It's going to be so, so fun. And it's going to be fun in the way that we always imagine Habs Bruins or Habs Leafs are. are. And I shouldn't compare like women's games. I, I shouldn't contextualize them with men's games. But, you know, when you're talking about a rivalry and you're like, this is a storied rivalry. And it's, it's, you know, it's so exciting. You can't wait. And then the games are always either a dud or a giant circus with everybody just, you know, just, just wailing at each other. I think this is really, really good hockey at its finest. And even when things get out of hand, they get out of hand in an exciting way. I just am so, 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 so excited. And we will obviously cover that. And um, I really, really hope all our listeners will be watching. At least watch the replay if you're not going to watch the live ones, which are like at like four o'clock in the morning or whatever. Uh, but that's it for today's show. 
We're so excited to have a game to recap tonight. And we've got some fun stuff coming up. As we promised, we will be on YouTube. Uh, and it's coming up very, very soon. We're just lining up a special first episode for that. So once all that is worked out, uh, we will be on YouTube. Obviously, we will still be available wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be the same episodes, but you can watch us record some of them. Uh, or all of them, if you'd like, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel uh, and you can find all of our stuff wherever you get your podcast. You'll find us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can email us at lockedoncanadians at gmail.com. Scott is on Twitter at Scott Matla. I am at, on Twitter at The Active Stick. And if you liked this podcast, make your second listen of the day, Locked on Bets, where they have been absolutely killing it and you will not regret it.